I was wondering why I was feeling a little low and slow. Peter came down and said my batteries were low. So now I'm feeling better. Good to see all of you. It's kind of interesting in these days, people coming in and out, sometimes in and out late. It's all right. No problem. But uh, I am glad to see you. One thing I forgot to mention this morning is um, we've got a um, we've got a church planter here Wednesday. His name is Chad. The last name I have a hard time pronouncing it, so I'm not going to give it a try. But here's a challenge for you. He is uh, church planting in Santa Barbara. You know, one of the more rundown cities in, in, in California. I wouldn't want to. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to try to uh, plant a church. I mean, if the Lord, you know, commanded it, but that's going to be expensive. By the way, I understand we have a um, we we have a special request in uh, now, Brother Dequila. Um, here's a question: Are you going to be here on Christmas Day? Um, could you sing O Holy Night? That makes it complete. That makes it complete. And then if your wife could sing, go tell it on the mountain. <laughs> so that's going to be good. Looking forward to, uh, looking forward to next Sunday. Be praying. Be praying for next uh, next Sunday. We've got the tracks there. Let's be inviting folks out. And um, you might have noticed that the the uh, the flags out front looked a little bit different this morning. That's because we had that windstorm uh, big time yesterday, and uh, Satan decided he hated the one that said Jesus saves, so it tore it off the off the pole and it wound up in the grass. And it's okay. Got rescued. Everything's going to be fine. We got to just fix a couple of things. No big deal. But uh, I've got the uh, Merry Christmas up there now too. So that's good. I'm looking forward to that. All that time. Next Sunday's going to be great. Looking forward to hearing Tim and the choir and the kids. And then uh, Christmas Day. That's going to be. That's going to be a lot of. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Now. Uh, we're going to be having a candlelight service a week and a half away, December 21st. Now, my wife is a little panicky. You mean we're going to have real candles here burning? Why not? You know, we'll have a uh, Carrie will be back there with a fire extinguisher just in case. The hose. Okay, there we go. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. So uh, as far as announcements, We've got that in the morning, and then Sunday night we have the we have the um, uh, Christmas party, and there's going to be Peter. There's going to be at least one Walmart. Where is he? He's up there. Where did he go? Uh oh. Maybe he's some. Yeah, I'm on. Okay, very good. I got to gather my thoughts. Let's get things together. Take your Bibles and go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 
chapter 1. And I want to read the last eight verses. This is where we're going to be at for the book of uh, Colossians tonight. Been looking forward to that. Last time we were in the book of Colossians, I preached a message entitled, What a Christ We Have. Tonight, it's what a hope we have. You know, it's, it's almost like this kind of teaching has, has fallen out as far as what people desire to hear. I love going through a book. I, I, I just do. Now, it's, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. I know some pastors, they'll leave going through a book on Sunday morning, and then they'll go topical and, and maybe a little, you know, crazy, you know, on, on Sunday night. I like doing the opposite. I love Sunday night, getting in, like I said, getting into a book. And I love the book of Colossians. I just, I just do. So I hope and pray that this is a blessing. Let's go ahead and read. We'll start in verse 21, Colossians 1, and read to the end of the chapter. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. That's an interesting comment and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. By the way, just, just real quick, in my further study on this, I have come to appreciate what he just said right there in that verse even more, and I'll explain it to you. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Let's pray. Lord, I, I pray that as we pause and we prepare to go in to Colossians 1, finishing up this chapter. Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you would give us good focus. 
Lord, I'm thankful for the people that are here. Lord, I pray that we would see things in your word that maybe we've never seen before, but also that we would have a far greater appreciation for what your servant Paul shared not only with the church at Colossae, but with those of us who would come afterward. Lord, I'm so thankful for Christ in us. I'm so thankful for all that was given to us <coughs> because of the veil rending and us standing with the Jews before you, Jew and Gentile, as one before Christ. So, Lord, speak. And we thank you for your grace that is given that will now help us grasp your truth. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Paul has gone through much, and I'm not going to go through it again. Everything that he has covered, like I said in the previous verses when we were there, to me it struck me as this. What a Christ we preach. Now, I'm going to ask you something, and I don't want you to respond, but I want to ask you, do you have a habit of reading God's Word? I hope and pray that you do. We're going to be doing a different Bible study, a Bible reading program for those of you that want. If you have your own Bible reading program, I understand, no problem. But we're going to be handing that out on New Year's Day. The point is this, we've got to be in the Word. And people that read their Bible through year after year, I believe they understand better the reason we need to go through a book and another book and another book. Because the Apostle Paul, as he's sharing his passion, he's sharing his burden, he's sharing the thoughts that God has given him to each church, we can understand not only maybe what the church has been going through, but the possibilities of what we go through and how we can glean from this city, from the church over here in Ephesus, in Colossae, and on and on and on. Now, like I said, in the previous verses, Paul was lifting up Christ. What we have in Christ, sometimes we might get a little dull to it, in hearing it, but we ought not. This is what is going to carry us through. This is your Christ. By the way, just as a side note, but then coming into this a little bit with this thought, I did not plan on doing what I was what, what I did this morning. Got to the end of the message. Nobody raised their hand for salvation. But then just kind of offhand, just ask, how many of you need prayer? And quite honestly, I was shocked at how many people came forward. I was glad, praise God for the time of prayer that we were able to have, but it was really fascinating to stop and think, you know what, folks, everybody is carrying a burden. Some are a little more difficult. But everyone has a burden, has a concern, 
has something or someone that is in their life that they need prayer for. I hope and pray that you have a prayer list. We all need to be praying right now. So here we are coming now into what Christ, excuse me, what Paul in sharing Christ is telling us because of that Christ, the hope that is there. He has three ministries that he shares here. There's preaching, there's suffering, and there's praying. First of all, in verse 21, the sharing of the gospel. He's excited about this. He says, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by your wicked works. Now that word alienated means estranged. You're separated from God. Folks, I don't know what I would do if I realized that I was separated from God. And yet we all were at one time. Unless we've trusted Christ as Savior, we're still there. Not just if you can stop and think about that. Because of Christ, we have hope. Without Christ, without God, stop and consider. So he's talking to these Gentiles and he says, hey, you were enemies. This word means alienated. You were actively hostile to God. And everything that the non-Christian does, they are saying this, I don't need you, God. I don't want what you have. I'm going to go my own way. Sometimes it is seen in greater wicked works. But at the very least, it is living life outside of Christ. But now, with these that he is speaking to, he is writing to in the church, in Colossae, he says this at the end of verse 21. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Remember, like we saw this morning, Christ didn't have to die. Mankind, we all have to die. We have been tainted by sin unless we're raptured. The point is this, Christ did not have to. He chose to. He laid his life down in the body of his flesh through death to present you. How many of you have ever stopped and all of a sudden, it's like the wicked one sometimes or sometimes it just pops into the mind. You wind up having the memory of egregious sin that you partook in. Or maybe it was just something stupid, whatever. But you remember it, and it grieves you. It grieves you. Mainly for this reason. You sinned against God. Oh, there might be somebody else that you sinned against that might be something that you think of and you feel so foolish about it, even if nobody else knows about it. He said this. He... Christ presents us wholly and unblameably and unreprovable in 
his sight. We were at one time, according to Romans 5, verse 6, without strength. He died while we were yet sinners. You know that, Romans 5, 8. Paul emphasized the physical body of Christ that was nailed to the cross. The false teachers denied, remember this, Paul is trying to counter that which is being taught by false teachers in Colossae. They were teaching the incarnation, they denied the incarnation, taught that Jesus did not have a real body. That is false. He did have a new, he did have a real body, a fully human body. The purpose of that body was to die on the cross, the Lamb of God. And because of that, there would be a reconciliation. That means that every person here has a personal holiness. Now listen to me. This is not an excuse to sin. If we take it as an excuse to sin, the Holy Spirit is either grieved in you or you might not have the Holy Spirit. You might not be saved. Salvation is not a ticket to sin. Praise God, it's a release from sin. We don't have to sin. Do we sin? Yes. But we don't have to. The purpose of this is personal holiness. We are set apart. Now think about that. This world is not our home. Larry, you've been set apart. Carrie, you've been set apart. Roger, you've been set apart. Let's stop and think about it. Set apart, Solomon. All of us, if we've trusted Christ, the word holy is closely related to the word saint. It means to be devoted to God. When we trusted Christ, there was another reason for living. Listen, remember what we saw this morning. When it came to Christ there in John chapter 6, he was trying to get us to see this. The person of Christ and the purpose of Christ. Now we have joined into the purpose of Christ. You'll see that in a minute. Unblameable, without blemish, unreprovable, free of accusation. Have I sinned? Yeah. Does God remember my sin? No. God does not remember our sin. It's as far as the east is from the west. Now stop and consider. Unblameable. It's Satan that stands before him, like the book of the Revelation tells us, and he's the accuser of the brethren that seeks to accuse us night and day. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, some of us keep Satan real busy before Satan. Look what he, he blew it again. He's not listening. He's covered the sin. Listen, the most important thing in our Christian life is not how we look in our own sight or in the sight of others, but how we look in the sight of God. 
Your view of you will change. You mess up. I mess up. You sin. I sin. We'll be down on ourselves for a while. Others who know about it, they might rejoice in it, rebuke us. They might, you know, use it as a weapon against us. God doesn't. It's covered. That was Paul's emphasis. And by the way, these emphasis, hear these things. They're an attack against the false teachers. The false teachers are trying to tell the church at Colossae, you need to follow us to be more and more perfect. Paul comes and says, no, you're complete in him. You are perfect in Christ right now. Right now. Then he goes on to talk about the future glorification. Look at verse 23. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Now, wait a minute. We see that word if, and we start to panic. No. The if, the the if clause, if you want to put it like that, does not suggest doubt or a condition. Okay, you got to keep up on your salvation. It was put like this. Colossae was known as a place where there were frequent earthquakes. Now, I'm glad we live in Sacramento. There's not that many here. Well, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. I remember we would be in church on Sunday night, and all of a sudden, and you'd look, and the lights would be swaying. We had an earthquake. I just, you know, that happened off and on. How many of you have ever lived in earthquake territory? All right, so you know, yeah, that's right. You guys were in Southern California. So you know what I'm talking about. Now they're talking about the fact that the Hayward Fault, you know, it's not looking good. You know, it it needs to trigger soon. (laughs) I'm so glad I live in the Sacramento area. Praise God. He's saying this. Paul was saying, your foundation is more sure. There's no, you don't have to be, Moved away. He's he's using earthquake language. If you're truly saved and built on the solid foundation, there's going to be no quake in your life. Christ is your salvation. Then you will continue in the faith and nothing will move you. You heard the gospel. You trusted Christ. And he has saved you. You... You are not your security. He is. And all God's people said, folks, we've got to get this because I'm telling you, one of the best tools that Satan has is the accusations that he can throw at God's people. Because there will be times when we get unsure of ourselves, we're looking at ourselves and we're thinking, well, you know what? I didn't do this and I messed up on this and I could have given this guy a gospel tract and I didn't. 
and then somebody told a joke at work, and it was not a good joke, but I found myself laughing, and oh, you know, I got upset, you know, with with uh, the neighborhood kids, and boy, you know, that messes up my testimony. Wait a minute. God does not then remove your salvation. There is no check mark he put next he puts next to your name when you do wrong or when you do right. God is not Santa Claus. Boy, I could get into that, but I'm going to set that aside. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about the hope of the gospel, Titus chapter 2. The hope that is laid up for us in heaven, Colossians 1.5. Now he goes to this, the suffering for the Gentiles. Now stop and consider. He's talked about Christ. He's lifted him up. He talked about what a wonderful Christ we have. And now it's what a wonderful hope we have. And what Paul is saying is this, not only is it worth it for me to come and preach, it's worth it if in that preaching I wind up suffering. Look at verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions, literally the pressures of life of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Now, let's play a game called Tell the Truth. How many of you have ever gotten weary in well-doing? And you know what? In our flesh, we wind up feeling that way. All of a sudden, it's, what do I do? I, I just don't want to go to church today. I, I, I don't want to do this ministry anymore. It might be Sunday school. It might be junior church. It might be holding another office. It's, it's something. Somebody gave me a hard time at church. Somebody parked where I usually park. <laughs> I like parking right there by my office. But I have to recognize this. There are people in the Spanish ministry that don't know I like parking in that place. And so they'll park. And you know what? I'll smile most of the time. <laughs> no, but you know, th listen, listen. There's something that comes along. Somebody says something. Somebody does something. I remember hearing somebody say one time, the three biggest problems with Christians is Christians, Christians, and Christians. The world does a great job in pointing to the failures of people in the local church. There's a family that lives, in fact, a couple of families that live not too far from here. They've never been to this church. They're involved in another church that my wife and I were involved in. And I don't know what all happened. 
But it got to be a situation where this individual in this church that was very near and dear to me, a young man I prayed for, and he, he has, he has come to where he so, at least the last time I talked to him, so despises the local church. He has laughed and mocked when he has seen churches go through difficulty. I taught this young man that grieves me. And as far as I can tell, it's ongoing. You know, you're going to get misunderstood, aren't you? The world is going to misunderstand you. But what's really hard is when God's people misunderstand. And maybe they do have a point. Because we, we don't always do it right. The preacher doesn't always do it right. I remember when Harvey Seidel got me here to this church and he looked at me and he said, there's something you need to understand. You don't always have to have your own way. Now, some people hear that and they go, but you know what? I found that's true. I'm not the boss. I'm the under-shepherd. I have an authority. I have a responsibility. But you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, my wife and I, she's smarter than I am. She is. She doesn't like me talking about this, but because I'm the husband, I get to talk about it. I tell her when we get to the church, now listen, at the house, I'm your husband. But when I come here, I'm the boss and you're the secretary. She still tells me what to do. But look at this, folks. Paul is rejoicing in this. Here he is. He is working at, at, at building these people up in Christ. He is working at seeing them grow. He is working at desiring that they follow the Lord, and it's, listen, it's costing him. Hey, Sunday school teacher, it's going to cost you to go after those kids. Junior church, it's going to cost you. Pastor, leadership, it's going to cost you to go after people. Sometimes they will not understand. And there will be people that are in a position They'll get weary as well. I like what I read recently. That, you know, instead of giving somebody a lecture, sometimes people just flat out need a hug because things have been hard. And you know what? In this day and age, they're getting just a wee bit harder. That's why we need to be an encouragement. Listen to the rain. How many of you like the rain? You know what's really neat? I've gotten to where I really enjoy more the little pleasures in life. One of the things that's such a joy to hear is sitting in the house and you hear the rain on the roof. God's meeting our needs. Listen to that. 
That, that's kind of sometimes his way of saying, hey, sit back, relax, and enjoy where you're at. It's not always going to be difficult. Paul says it's going to be, there's going to be difficult times. But you know what? It's not always like that. The disciples, they counted them, they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the shame of his name. Acts chapter 5. That's the way things are in this wicked world. Paul is reminding us of this. And one day, every one of us, I pray every one of us, we will be in heaven and we will rejoice at what we wound up going through, and yet it was all for the glory of God. You know, I, I, we, we, were, we were talking about this this afternoon. I don't know how we got on the, um, on the topic, but I just, I remember my mom, she was within hours of, of going, and Vivian, it was so good. You, you were such a good help day after day coming and helping with mom there. We knew that she was going to be passing into eternity. But we were talking about how, you know, I was there. I was on the couch that night. And I remember hearing mom struggling to breathe. And I fell asleep. And I woke up, I think it was about 1230. It was not, it was only, I'd only slept for at the most an hour. I think it was actually less than that. She wasn't breathing. And sometimes I look at that place in our family room and I think, my mom stepped into heaven right there. I don't know if the angels come down. But if they did, angels were in our family room. Julie and I were talking just a couple of weeks ago, and she reminded me of something that I forgot. When they finally, when, when mom finally died, I went upstairs. We were waiting for them to come get her. Julie came down and slept on the couch. She, they were, she and Joe were using our bedroom at that time. We were living in the garage. And she came and laid there on the couch watching over Grandma. You paint the picture of all this and it's like, praise God for everything that we go through. It's so worth it. And then all of a sudden, these things that we deal with, they fade because I know where my mom is. I know where my sister is. I know where my dad is. I know where my baby brother is. We know where there are people that used to sit in this auditorium. We know where they are. I got to thinking about Ruth Arnold. And there's there's been others that have come through here. Mrs. Carpenter and, uh, oh, all of a sudden I'm forgetting. Oh, Mr. Buckler. Oh, my soul. I'm not going to see Mr. Buckler in heaven because he's going to be so far ahead. Praise God. 
Now, Paul, was rec- he was trying to get the people to recognize. There's something, you're Gentiles, there's something that you need to understand. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Before, when a Gentile would come in, they had to convert to Judaism to become a Jew and then worship as the Jews, looking for that for the coming Messiah. That was no longer the case. The floor, as it were, the ground has been made level. Look at verse 25. We're looking at the responsibility of Paul, but what he is trying to teach now. Verse 25. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of the gospel which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Paul could have stopped ministering to the Gentiles It was rough. It was tough. He was being slandered. He was having to confront people because of their false doctrine. But he loved them. Look at verse 26. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Now, he uses the word mystery. The false teachers, they thrived in this. They loved that word. That was a sacred secret. We know something everybody else doesn't know. Now, for the Jews, they loved this where they were. You know, hey, listen, we're Jews. I mean, we were given the law. We were given a land. We were promised a king. The king is going to establish a glorious kingdom, and it's... For us, no, no, it's not. Uh Uh-uh. Jesus Christ came to earth, died for all. The Jews, some of them, hated the fact that they lost in their sight, they lost that ground, if you will, that they bragged from. But that's not the place that they were supposed to embrace. It was Jew and Gentile in Christ. When the church is complete, Christ is taking us to heaven. There'll be no difference. There's not going to be the Jewish section and the Gentile section. It's the body of Christ. Look at verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. See, see, that makes the difference. There were some Jews that did not understand this. But this is the hope of the glory of Christ. 
We are made one. There is no difference. There were people that were maligned and abused by the Jews. You're a Gentile. You're a dog. You're a dog. No. We're all one in Christ. And now, he brings this point out. It was Paul the preacher. Paul the persecuted. Now, he's going to show himself, he's letting these people understand a little bit more where he's coming from. For them, he's Paul, the prayer warrior. Now, this lets us know a little bit of sometimes what God's people go through. We share the gospel. Sometimes we pay a price for it. But there's always the prayer closet. Look at verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man. When he preached, he's talking about announced with authority as a herald. This is what needs to be understood. Then he says that we may present. This is why we do all this. We warn, we win, and we teach. What's the intent? That we may present every man perfect in Christ. Now, again, like I said, that word perfect was a faith, was a favorite of these Gnostics. Paul says, it isn't like how they're saying. You follow us in God's word, the teaching that he has given. And not only will we teach you and we will endure, but look at verse 29. Wherefore, I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. He's talking in the striving, laboring to the point of exhaustion. That is how he prayed. That's how he lived. That's how he taught. This is why, to me, it's such a joy to hear the voice of this man, a real individual in Christ that was speaking through letter to a group just like us. And he's getting them to understand. I preach Christ, and what a Christ we have. And because of that Christ, I preach hope. And what a hope we have. And it's worth it if the teaching and the preaching and the praying cost me something. I don't know what's going to be happening in the near future. But I can imagine a time where just like other countries, we wind up taking a personal risk Every time we share the gospel, we're going to have to have a different mindset. That's another reason why we need to listen to a man like Paul. He lived it, and he loved it. And I believe God rewarded him greatly.
for it. So it's worth it. When we think of the people that we're praying for, going through her list, still praying for sons, still praying for brothers, still praying for people that have come here to this church. There are people that need to be saved. Amen? Not only that, speaking of burdens, but again, I, I just, I, I thought about that and all of a sudden here's, here's a group of people in our church. They have a burden enough that they came forward asking for prayer. Boy, that's a responsibility. We're living out so much of what these people, excuse me, what Paul and James and Peter, etc., talked about. I just started reading yesterday morning, uh, 1 Peter. I love, I love reading from Peter. But what a man of God. <laughs> that sometimes absolutely put his sandal in his mouth. But I've done that too. So praise God. I remember my wife working with somebody. It was a Christian school principal in the East Bay. And I went in there, I was working construction, and I started talking about stuff, you know, oh man, I can't believe, you know, this is going on, that's going on. And this is in the early 80s. That feels like ancient history now. He was a very soft-spoken guy, but a very godly man. And while he was listening, he just mused and he said, yeah, it's a great time to be faithful. Boy, that hit me like a glass of cold water. And I thought, you know what? That is true. It's a great time to be faithful. You know something? With all the challenges and sometimes all the weariness that comes in, it's a great time to be faithful, folks. Our God is worthy. Amen? I hope this has been an encouragement. Because we're living an interesting time.